0: I'll tell you what a lot of people don't do and I and to be honest with you my nephew is the one that gave me the idea. So like I mentioned before, he was he was he's a guide and he literally has 6 or 8 of them around his neck and he loads them all up with flies. And so they're hanging around they're hanging around his neck with flies already on them and when one of his clients loses a fly, it he does, it's already hanging from his neck. Yep, preload them with your next fly and uh, that way if you lose it or you need to change it because it's not working, it's already there and you can be back in the river in 15 to 30 seconds, you know.
1: Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry.
2: The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the folks at The Fly Crate. Get Double the Flies when you join their monthly fly club for a fun way to learn fly fishing and discover new flies each month. Just use the code DOUBLETHEFLIES at checkout or stock up on flies for your next trip and get free shipping on all orders of $15 or more. Go to www.theflycrate.com to adventure by the fly welcome to this edition of the fly fishing 97 podcast so glad you joined us for this episode we want to welcome to the program owner of Tyrite and fly fisher in his own right mark troilo mark thanks for coming on the podcast today
0: sure thing thanks for asking me
2: so Mark's out of Harbor Springs, Michigan. Uh, we're going to talk about Tyrite, your your company. and but, but first, before we do that, I'd like to start. I'm going to take you back, but apparently not as back as far as I would have thought. Uh, the first question I always fire off there is, how did you get into the sport of fly fishing? And tell us that story, Mark.
0: Uh, well, I grew up uh, spin casting in Colorado. My dad was an avid fisherman, so we were... Gone camping almost every weekend, and, um, and I loved fishing in Colorado, uh, but when I moved to Michigan, I never was a lake, we always went to streams and creeks and stuff like that, we never lake fished, hardly at all,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when you live right next to Lake Michigan, that's pretty much the kind of fishing you do, and I just, it was very boring to me, so I kind of quit fishing until my two boys were old enough to go. And so I, I introduced them to fishing and that went on until cell phones and girls entered the picture and then they were done fishing. And I kind of just quit fishing. Um, what got me back in and started fly fishing was buying tie right. A friend of mine owned it and he, uh, owned it for 38 years. He passed away and, uh, uh, left it to his daughter, and it just wasn't her passion. And I found out about it in a roundabout way that uh, it was for sale or that it was out of business. Tyrite actually went out of business in around 2012. Mm-hmm. And so around 2016, I ended up buying Tyrite. And my nephew is an avid, just lives and breathes. Fly fishing. If he couldn't fly fish, he would not exist. And uh, he actually was a guide in Colorado for Kurt's fly fishing, or Cly- Kurt's fly shop. So anyway, after owning Tyrite for a year and doing some uh, doing some trade shows, I'm like, you know, I probably oh, yeah. got to learn how to fly fish since I'm going to be in this business. And my nephew took me, and man, I was just hooked. It is, it it just was exactly what I needed. Um, the interact, the, the chance to always improve your game. I always tell people it's to me, it's like golf. If you're having a bad day at golf, you quit keeping score and you start working on your shots.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fly fishing is the same way. If you're not to me, if I'm not catching anything, i start practicing my casting and my aim and, and uh, trying things I've seen on videos and stuff. So I, I I'm just fascinated by fly fishing and, uh, and I love the people in the industry
2: since you own tie, Or since you bought it, who's been your biggest influence in learning fly fishing? Could you name one or two sources that have uh, been influential?
0: My sister, Linda Galambas, and who also helps me tremendously with the business and, uh, her son, my nephew, Steven Galambas, they got, they are the ones that have taught me and take me whenever I'm in Colorado, they know they take me fishing and, and, uh, so I don't really have any big name people that are influencers uh, to me yet. I'm still at that novice stage. I'm still, uh, you know, learning some experts techniques
1: uh, yep. or, is
0: down the road for me right now. I'm still just fishing, you know, yep. learning, learning the rod, yep. learning the line, learning the different flies, learning, you know, fishing with a, with a worm or a salmon egg is totally different on You, you, Fish that totally different on the river than you do a fly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, so I, I'm still learning the river and all that stuff. But it is it has definitely become my my uh, new passion. Uh,
2: I know most people in, in the fly fishing industry know what tie right is, but uh, for the few that might not, um, explain your product.
0: Well, it's a it's basically a a, a, tie, a tying aid, and uh, it, it you can pull your fly out of the box. Uh, with the tie right so you're not fumbling with it, especially you know, out west when you're using twenties, twenty fours, twenty sixes. When your hands are cold or you've been in the water a lot, it's just hard to hold on to those flies and time on. And yeah, yeah, you know, guides tell me all the time, Oh, I have no problem. Well, yeah, when you do it for a living, any if you're doing it for a living, you shouldn't have a problem. But the for the people that don't do it every weekend or every day. Uh, you, you just you can pull your fly out of the fly box. It, it has a little spring-loaded hook on it. Grabs your hook, and then you thread. It makes it easier to thread your fly because you can put the put the fly wherever the background suits your eyes, so you can see the hole.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you put your six Google recommended revolutions on there, and you and you can tie your modified your your clinch knot. Um, you can tie your Davy's knot, an Orvis knot with it. You can tie a slip knot or a loop. You can tie a dropper with it. So it's just a, it's just a tying aid, um, and it really helps with people that struggle with eyesight or uh, dexterity problems. But I have avid anglers that have no problems at all that swear by it and and will not uh, go to the river without it.
2: I picked uh, a few up at the uh, fly fishing show in uh, Washington State, um, like the fly fishing show. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it might have been from you, for all I know, but um, it was. Are you serious? <laughs> okay. Well, yep, it's nice to meet serious. you again. Um, yeah, definitely. You, I use it all the time, and and when you know when you're when you've got nineteen or twenty year old eyes, usually you don't have the. But the older I'm getting, the more I need it. And, and believe you me, especially when I'm tying on like a really small chromat or a small Mayfly or some, some small dry, it really, yep. really helps. It's quite an ingenious tool.
0: It is, and it's been around, believe it or not, it's been around since 1955. Who, who uh, discovered it or who, who invented it? His name was Mike Reeser. He was in Bishop, California, and he was a fireman. In fact I'm holding one of the I'm holding one of the very original tie rights that he made in my hand and it still works perfectly.
1: Hmm.
0: It has his name on it and everything. It's this thing's at least forty five or fifty years old. But he um he was a fireman and back then the story I got from his daughter was uh the firemen were also the first responders that because they weren't first responders. You know, they came on an accident and they had to they had to administer medical need uh, medical if it was needed, mm-hmm. so this was a he fashioned this after some tool that he used saving lives hmm. and i know I, I still to this day can't find out what tool it was uh, but and she didn't know, but that's that was the story that she said and then after he he passed away, his wife tried keeping it running, and it just was something she. Couldn't do at her age, and she sold it to my friend Don Brockhage, Mm -hmm. and uh, he owned it for 38 years. Wow! Before he passed away, yeah. That's quite a
2: history of a company.
0: It is, and 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 it made me sad to know that something he worked so hard for for that long, and had, uh, you know, become basically a, a a fly fishing staple. In the industry, I mean, back in the day, everybody used them, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. to see it go out of business just broke my heart. And it took me a year to talk his daughter into selling it because she was very sentimental about it being her her dad's thing. But I had actually went to school with her husband. And so I think because I had a connection with the family, she felt more comfortable Selling it because she had had other offers to sell it, but she didn't want to
1: hmm.
0: it was actually sitting in the bot in boxes in her basement all packed away all the stuff and I drove out from Michigan and picked it up in a picked it up in a rented excursion and drove all everything back home in the back of an excursion Wow, that was two years ago that was nineteen uh two thousand fifteen and oh, sorry we, and yeah, yeah two thousand fifteen and she and um so there was a lot of bridges burned because she couldn't get product to, to big distributors. And uh, so before I actually opened it up for business, I made sure we fixed a lot of problems, mended as many bridges as we could, and, uh, and had thousands of tie rights in stock ready to ship before I ever went and sold one of them because I never wanted to tell somebody I couldn't fill an order and bring back that, that problem they had with the previous owner.
2: Where are tie rights available? Um, I mean, online or fly shops or both? You tell me.
0: Online, online. many of your fly shops uh, have them. One of the problems is when, the, when tie right went out of business, it, there was such a demand for it and, and distributors were losing sales that somebody went to Pakistan and had a Pakistani company knock it off. And so a lot of the big box stores are, um, are still selling the knockoff. I'm, I'm actually in talks with Bass Pro slash Cabela's right now to get back into their stores. We, um, we just got into Sportsman's Warehouse, so they, you, you can get them at Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, and I, I just ask people to, uh, you know, go to their local fly shop and ask them to start carrying the original. We're made in the USA. We even buy our aluminum from United, from United States companies. We don't buy any product overseas. Um, everything's made here in the United States and assembled in, and a lot of it's manufactured and assembled in Michigan, but there's still a few companies that we're doing a good job for the previous owners that I still use just because they do a great job and they give me a great price. So we are, we are made in the USA hundred percent. And uh, if awesome. you can't find it, send it, just go to our website tie and and we can uh, order it. I'll just send you one.
2: Well, the one, the one real appealing thing about this tool, that's very, it's simple I always think the best things are simple, but yeah. you, you need more than one of them, right? You you can't just have you need one in your fly vest, you need one in your boat, you need one at your tying bench. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Definitely. You're not just going to buy one.
0: No, and and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what a lot of people don't do, and I and to be honest with you, my nephew is the one that gave me the idea. So, like I mentioned before, he was he was he's a guide, and he literally has six or eight of them around his neck and he loads them all up with flies. And so they're hanging around, they're hanging around his neck with flies already on them. And when one of his clients loses a fly, it, he does, it's already hanging from his neck. So, you know, That's a great pre, idea. Yep. Preload them with your next fly. And, uh, that way if you lose it or you need to change it cause it's not working, it's already there and you can be back in the river in 15 to 30 seconds, you know?
2: There's a great guide tip right there.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was a gr- I was like, man, that's genius. <laughs> and it didn't cost him yeah. anything.
2: <laughs> well, that's good stuff. I love yeah. it. So, Mark, when you're in and around your hometown of uh, Harbor Springs, Michigan, where do you go to get your fix to talk uh, fly fishing? Is there a coffee shop or a fly shop? Or where do you, where do you go to get your fill?
0: You want to know, it's hilarious. You're going you're gonna to think this is, so, this is almost so Canadian. Um, we have a, believe it or not, we have a local Trout Unlimited in Harbor Springs. Mm-hmm. And most of the members belong to the Petoskey Curling Club. So we go curling on Saturday night. My wife and I go curling on Saturday night, and I talk fly fishing with the guys I'm curling with.
2: <laughs> that that sounds pretty Canadian,
0: isn't it? Doesn't it? It's kind of crazy. And that's
2: yeah. That's got Saskatchewan and Manitoba written all over it.
0: Yeah, I, and uh, and they're you know they're good guys, and uh, and then I have a couple uh, I have a couple friends that I go with up here that are teaching me. They're real patient, and they're just, they're actually kids I coached in football, and uh, and now they're mentoring me in fly fishing. It's kind of cool. That is cool. You know
2: what I'd like you to ask you to do, Mark, is is paint a little picture if you can. Um, if you could have your perfect day on the water, what does that look like? What species are you targeting? Are we talking early in the morning, coffee in hand? Take us through that.
0: I would go back to Colorado, and uh, up in up you go up. 540 through Empire, through Winter Park, and off to the right, there's uh, 10,000 acres of BL- BLM land. And uh, there, that's where I used to fish with my dad a lot. And he passed away five years ago, and I would go back there, and I would love to fly fish there. I, You know, I spent many, many, many days spin casting up there, but I would love to to learn to fly fish up there and it's you know brookies and and uh, rainbows and pretty much all that's up there one of the one of the amazing things to me moving to michigan is you know in colorado a 14 16 inch fish is a big fish and you're happy you're thrilled to catch a 16 inch rainbow right they laugh mm-hmm. at 16 inch fish in michigan <laughs> yeah, you know but it's just like man that, is, that ain't a fish that's bait
2: yeah no that's it's always it matters where you are i see these beautiful pictures of uh some small stream fishing in pennsylvania these little browns you know but they're so beautiful and there's, yep. there's something beautiful about those small fish too
0: i you know and that's people People always are like, what are you fishing for? What are you fishing for? And and I'm so new at this that I just want to catch anything. I don't care if I'm catching carp. I don't care if I'm catching bluegills, you know, whatever. I just want to get better at it. I want to, you know, I, I want to get better carp, at it. Than carp? Any- Go ahead.
2: I was going to say carp on a fly. I, I don't, you can't get much better than that. That's a no, crazy I ride. I so either.
0: And that's, that, that was the first fish I caught with my nephew.
2: I, I don't know. I don't find them that easy to catch on a fly, um, but uh, I'm no expert. Um, I'm going to throw a few fast questions at you, Mark. Um, okay. Dry fly or nymph?
0: I like dry fly. It's more, it's more exciting. The dry fly, to me as a novice, is more challenging, and plus mm-hmm. you get to see the fish strike, which for me is still uh, just the biggest thrill of fishing.
2: Okay, we're gonna to switch to sports. Lions, Wolverines, or Spartans?
0: <laughs> Broncos. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Colorado. i back I'm Bronco. your... uh, Broncos. Broncos yeah. first, Spartans second, because my son goes to MSU.
2: Perfect. Yeah, you're. Uh, I'm a huge Broncos fan too. Very um, sweet. F- oh yeah! Don't even ask me why. Just ever since Elway started, I think from that the drive. Well, let, let me, me get the Browns. That, this
0: I don't know if you want to put this in the show or not, but I'm going to tell you how I found out Tyrite was for sale. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, Lori, the uh, daughter of of Don went to CSU Colorado State University and her husband went there and so did I. And they started dating. I was very good friends with her husband Paul. They started dating. And we were Bronco nuts. And back then, before 9-11, you could drive down from Fort Collins, hour and 20 minutes, to, to Mile High Stadium. And at halftime, they would let you into the game for free. All those guys went and started, all the gay guys started drinking beer, right? And you could go watch the second half of the game for free. And so fast forward, I think it was 2015, Manning takes the Broncos, well, limps the Broncos to the play, Super Bowl, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I called them up and said, We need to find a way to get to this game. We haven't, you know, we haven't been to a game in forever. And so, you know, we were just BSing. And I asked how Tyrite was going, and Lori told me she shut it down. And so it took me a year to buy it. And, uh, that, that's how I found out, but it's it was over a Bronco game, believe
2: it or not. It it ties back into uh, to the business. That's pretty cool. It does. So, favorite tunes, favorite tunes to listen to on the way to the water. What do you what do you hear in your in your vehicle? Bluegrass, bluegrass. Blue. Wow.
0: Yeah. No
2: Union Station, or what are we what are we talking? Here? Yeah,
0: Union Station. Any of them? Uh, the uh, Steelers wheel. I uh, you know. Uh I like awesome. I did I you know growing up in Colorado the Telluride Blue Fe- uh, uh, Bluegrass Festival was always just an amazing thing for me. I would like to go fishing in the Telluride too would be a blast. Um, it was a fun fun festival to go to and uh now it's just very commercialized and huge but back when I was in high school it was just a bunch of pickers <laughs> playing on a stage, right?
2: I never would have thought of Bluegrass as commercialized, but I guess it it has probably more than ever uh, if you go back in a few years.
0: Oh, yeah. That, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it's got its place now, which it right, rightfully should. But back mm-hmm. in the day, it was usually just a bunch of guys and girls that knew how to play getting together. And uh, yeah. many times that on stage, you would just have... An open mic type situation where people would just get up and start playing and somebody else would join them and it was amazing
2: that's cool what's the biggest takeaway or biggest lesson maybe that you've learned since you took over Tyrite?
0: Well, I already knew it, but uh, learning it again, everything takes twice as long and twice as much money as you expect <laughs> so my previous life I was a a uh Nautical engineer and boat captain for a fleet of private yachts, and I never had summers free. And uh, I love that our trade industry sh- uh, shows are in the winter time, and basically summertime everybody's fishing, so I I get left alone other than filling orders, which is great. You know, I can do I can fill orders at eleven o'clock at night if I want. Um, so I love, I love the fact that I have summers off basically to just do manufacturing and, and fill in orders. And then, you know, after that we manufacture mostly all winter long. I start, I leave for the trade show circuit January 2nd and I don't get home until, uh, the middle of April.
2: Maybe Mark, you can talk about kind of the... The fraternity kind of of those shows because you guys all know each other and I always get a kick out of uh, either being there early or late when you see uh, guys and gals setting up their their displays and their tables and uh, everybody knows everybody.
0: It, it is it's it's um so I I became a. I I was introduced into the yachting world through the back door because of a family that I I used to own a construction company and I'd built houses for this family and they ended up buying some big boats and led me into taking care of their boats and everything else. I've never, I'm not yachty material. I'm not. I grew up in on a farm in Colorado, you know, (laughs) I'm not yachty material. And, uh, I tell you what, when I started going to trade shows, I just, the people in the fly fishing industry are just the best people to work with and, and get to know. And, but you're right. It is a fraternity. The first year I was, I was traveling the circuit, uh, you do feel like an outsider. And I've heard that from a lot of people, you know, you have to, you have to prove yourself and, and, uh, and I don't see a problem with that really. But, uh, I been. this will be my 4th year doing the doing the road thing and uh it's it's great.
2: I can speak firsthand as to how how accommodating people are in this industry because everybody I've called or talked to or interviewed um for this podcast have been so forthcoming with information, so friendly, and it's just uh it makes me proud of uh what we do because uh I, you know, everybody seems like such solid, solid people in this industry.
0: Oh, they are. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing how you you see each other. How, you know, in the yachting world, it's like my yacht's bigger than yours, mine's cleaner, mine's this, mine's that. Yeah, and it's a competition. And in the fly fishing industry, people are helping each other. Somebody doesn't have something for a show, you know, hey, here you go. Uh and and all that kind of stuff. It, they help each other out. They're good with helping each other out. Uh, and now that I've been doing it a few years, I've made some really, really good friends uh, in the industry. And now I'm starting to learn from them and, and uh, picking, picking up things that I need to know to become a better fisherman, you know?
2: Awesome. Last question for you. If you could change something about fly fishing. Is there anything, Mark, you'd like to see us do differently?
0: Well, I don't, like I said, I haven't been in it long enough to know, but I tell you what I've noticed. I follow a lot of fly fishing people on Instagram. It's pretty much all I follow. And then not uh, with my personal account, not with the tie ride account, although we do with that as well. And lately it seems like the women of fly fishing, really, really have to work hard to be accepted into it other than just being a female and all the guys hanging out at the show around a pretty girl, right? But to really be recognized for their fly fishing skills, um, seems like that's a tough thing. And I think it's, I I, I think it's more of an old, old generation mentality that's doing that. I don't know that it's the younger guys as much as the older guys, but there's some very talented uh, women in fly fishing that have been doing it for many, many years, and they have to work twice as hard as the guys in a lot of instances. And I just don't that I don't understand about it yet. I guess I wouldn't change it because I don't know enough about it, but it just se- doesn't seem right to me.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's fair comment. I get what you're saying for sure. Well, hey, listen, I really want to thank you, Mark, for taking the time to join us on the podcast tonight. Wish you luck with, with the business. I want to make sure that people can check out your, uh, your Tyrite tools. Um, best way to find you uh, online is where?
0: Uh, www.ty-rite.com and uh, YouTube, just uh, search for Tyrite. Instagram, search the original Tyrite because we are the original um, and or just uh, the website's dot as well.
2: Awesome. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Have a great uh, winter. I know you're coming into your busy time, but hopefully you'll get some some flies tied and uh, good luck at all the shows you're doing.
0: Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having me.
1: The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.